Thanks for tuning in to the Calvary Carlsbad podcast. Today's message was taken from our 10 a.m. service. If you'd like to join us in person, you can get more info at our website at calvarycarlsbad.com. Let's jump right in, and we hope you're encouraged. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me in Antioch, at Iconium, and Lystra, uh, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time this morning. We pray that you would speak to us through your word, God. Uh, open up our hearts and our eyes and our ears by your Holy Spirit that we'd be able to hear and see and do and change where you see fit. So God, we uh, pray you be ministering in our midst. Um, Lord, you know where everyone's coming from. They come from different positions, different places in life, some going well, some not. Lord, you know all of that. We pray that you would be working and ministering in this place this morning. Uh, but God, we pray that your word would impact our life and it would cut out anything that needs to go. Um, and it would, you'd convict us of anything that we need to be convicted about, encouraged with anything we need to be encouraged with. So we thank you, God, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. You guys may be seated. So um, last week, so yeah, this is the, the name of the message here, The Making of a Man of God, Part 1. There'll be, guess what, Part 2 next week. Yeah, you guys, <laughs> did, you, did you get that? All right. Uh, but last week, we were talking about perilous times and perilous men. Uh, by way of reminder, this is Paul's very last letter he ever wrote. And it's to Timothy, who is ministering in Ephesus and has gone through a lot. Uh, he, he, it's a, it's, there's a lot going on. Timothy's beat up, and Paul's been encouraging him to continue in the faith, to, to stay rooted in good doctrine, to be teaching, to be exhorting, to be building each of these you know, believers up. To not be scared of those who are uh, sowing seeds of division or anything like that, but to call it out, call it what it is. And so Timothy is young, what he calls son in the faith, has been given this task. And so Paul, writing this second letter to Timothy and to the church of Ephesus, uh, this is the end of his life. He knows it. And so there's extra emphasis on that. Uh, but he's warning Timothy of in the last days. And of course, uh, we see the last days being spoken of currently in um, right at the very beginning in the book of Acts, you know, um, even with the apostles before that, I mean, Jesus would speak of the, the last days, the last days. And so we've constantly been in a state of last days, yet we're getting closer, clearly, right? And so perilous men and perilous times are coming and have been coming. So by way of reference, this is what we're working off of to not become like these perilous men, but become men or women of God. So this is what makes us a man or woman of God as opposed to what makes you a perilous man or woman. Uh, this was from verse two. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. What does that mean? These will be people that use people. They, they use people, they love things, they use people instead of loving people and using things, right? Boasters, proud, blasphemers. That means these people are seeking to make themselves God, 
to exalt themselves above everyone else. And that problem, you might not think, I don't think of myself as being a God. You actually do more than you think. <laughs> like you, you put yourself in that position a lot because you're the highest authority in your own life. And you're the one that you think needs to be served over everyone else. This is part of human nature. This is part of the fall, right? Um, disobedient to parents, unthankful. It's the breakdown of the home, of the family, right? So we're going through this really quick. If you want to catch up, look at last week. There was a lot more to it. Unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good. That means you're only concerned with yourself. You're playing the victim. You like to play the victim, right? Like we said last week, vic becoming a victim has become currency, right? You, it's, it's, you know, valuable to be a victim. And so you withhold loving on people and forgiving people, right? And so as we see, that's, that's not good, right? We're withholding grace. Um, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. It's arrogantly kicking against the goads, right? Remember, that's what Jesus said to Paul. He's like, why are you kicking against the goads of God speaking to us and his law written on our heart and the fact that God is, is reaching out to us. Uh, Dallas Willard said, we don't miss heaven by an eyelash. We basically deliberately fight against God's call on our hearts. And that's something we have to deal with and look at. Like God has been calling us and calling us. And so we don't look at it like, oh man, they almost made it, but it was just too, the stipulations were too rough. No, God is calling each and every one of us. But this is what it looks like to arrogantly kick against the goads. Having a form of godliness, but not denying its power. Look, uh, you look the part, but there's no substance. Behind the show, there's no power and there's no transformation. And so that's what was surrounding them. So Paul is encouraging them to turn away from these types of people and become God's people, to look different, okay? So now we see Paul laying out two crucial parts of the making of the man of God. The first one is remember the past. Remember God's faithfulness in the past. And then the second part will be teach the scriptures. That is what so we're going to cover the, the past right here. Uh, the examples that would be laid before you. All that God has already done. All that God is doing. So verse 10. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Timothy has been a student of Paul's life. He's been around him, right? If you have children, they are students of your life. They are, they are right by you, watching you. They're, they're seeing everything you do and don't do. They're th seeing the things that you say that you do but don't do, right? Can you think of a time in, in your life where your parents were hypocritical? The answer is yes, Right? And now that your parents, you go, yeah, but they needed a little more grace from me. <laughs> right? So we know being around people, we have a firsthand encounter. We get to see it for ourselves. Paul saw this, I mean, Timothy saw Paul's life as a witness before him. And I love Paul's boldness to be able to say, as he says in another spot, follow me as I follow Christ. Look at my example. You know what that means? 
That means Paul has been so formed into the image of Christ that he's not ashamed to say, follow me. He's not ashamed to say, he never claims perfection. He's always constantly relying on the grace of God, but he also talks about how he works hard because of the grace of God. He labors on because of what he's been given. It's not just grace to be saved, but saving grace that changes our whole entire lives and transforms us, right? Again, the picture, we just had that baptism. The chains are broken. Did you know they're broken? Do you know that they're not there anymore? Are you still being held by things that don't exist? And so Paul has been changed and become more and more like Christ, and he's continuing on in this process of sanctification, how he's being set apart from the world. He no longer looks like the way he used to look. Remember, keep this in mind, Paul was a murderer, okay? Like he killed not just anyone or people who wronged him, Christians. So he killed Christians. What would we call someone like that today? Someone who goes out and purposefully goes and kills Christians? Like a terrorist, right? Something along those lines. And so he made many martyrs uh, in his life. But he's now saying, as I follow Christ, watch my life. I have been transformed and my whole life is, is it's captivated by my love for Jesus. And he's changed me and he's made me new and he has, it's not going to be in vain. The work he's done in me, the grace he has for me, the blood that Jesus has shed for me will not be in vain. So what does he say? But you have carefully followed my doctrine. You've carefully followed what's, he, what's been taught, what he's taught. He, you've carefully followed my teaching, okay? Uh, Paul keeps emphasizing the importance of knowing what we believe, we even talk about in Philippians how that knowledge helps our love to expand and our understanding and our discernment. We get we could see more and do more and have more depth by un, by knowing God more, right? Just like the capacity to know a family member more, a, say a spouse or a child or a friend. The more you know them, the more capacity you have to love them. You know, so some people say, "I love that guy." You don't really know that guy. Because there's going to be a time where you, you, the more you get to know them, you go, I don't really love them as much anymore. And then you push through to the other side, and now you go, I love them as they are. There's like an, an actual understanding of who they actually are and still love them. That's one of the beautiful things about marriage, is that you get to love each other through who you are. Because as long as you try to put up the smoke screen, you know, it, it's not going to last forever, Okay. Times are coming, you know, where you're going to be able to see each other. I, I remember I had a friend, literally, she um, would go to the bathroom in, like, other houses uh, for a while. And you're like, okay, um, you're going to have to get through this and get oh, past that, you know, mark. And get to the place where you're like, hey, this is who I am. I am human. You are human. And what's amazing is as you grow in that love, there's actually... Um, it becomes greater because you love them for who they are. So uh, understanding knowledge, knowing why we believe what we believe. This is it's so important to, to know. We've spoken a lot about this, to know what we believe. If we're not grounded in the word of God, we will fall by the wayside. Okay, 
because it, there's so many deceiving things out there and, and you've got like all of media, the media seemingly against you. <laughs> you've got social media seemingly against you and people pull things out of context all the time and they frame it in a way where it seems so simple and how could anyone believe this or say this? And if you don't know what you're looking at, you will not recognize it's out of context. You will not see the big picture and you will not know how to defend what you believe. So this is why we do stuff like Wednesday mornings and Thursdays. Like, guys, we're doing discipleship. It's not like devotional. We were like going through it. I study for that like almost as hard as for a Sunday morning. Because <laughs> I'm like, like, let's learn how to really study the Bible. Like, let's do this. And we work together. We'll do it together. The women, in depth, talking, working it out together. This is, this is the point, right? So that we know what we believe. And, and so you study a small part of Scripture, but in the small section of Scripture, it's, the, it's part of the greater voice of Scripture where we're not caught up in the little tiny words, but we see the big picture of all that God has done and all that God is doing and how it aligns with our lives. And we can see it for what it is. And so then anything that comes out of alignment with that, we know it. We can see it. It becomes very obvious, right? Somebody pulls out a yardstick and they draw a straight line. All of a sudden, the line that you think is straight will look not so straight. We need something that we can align our lives off of, and it is the word of God, right? So we don't, you know, carefully follow doctrine, okay? So that's the first one. Um, then he says, manner of life, the way he lives, this is a challenge to all of us. If you were to take someone that you just met and they're like considering becoming a Christian and you said, just follow my life, let's go. How many of you would feel comfortable with that? <laughs> just follow me 24-7 everywhere I go and you'll learn how to be a Christian. How many would we feel comfortable with that and go, okay, okay. We need grace, 100%. We need grace. We make mistakes. But there's a real reality to this. that The world is looking for an example. They're looking for someone that looks like Jesus. And that's kind of the big picture, is we're these outposts of heaven, these kingdom outposts. We look like Christ. The church is the body of Christ. Jesus is the head. We now represent him everywhere we go. And so he's like, please be a good representation of me, and you'll see fruit. Because people will say, what is that? I need that. And it's not going to be you. It's going to be him. So that's what we get to be a part of. We'll never get there if we go, yeah, oh, follow me on my way to church on Sundays. And then as soon as I leave, you got to go. Okay? And, but matter, don't ride in the car because we're going to fight in the car. So it's, and it's not a call necessarily a sinless perfection, but it is a call to the process of sanctification and growth for sure. And part of that process is recognizing mistakes and dealing with them in a godly manner. How does that work out? Confession. I messed up. I blew it. Hey guys, hey listen, I blew it right there. Will you forgive me? I need your grace. And I know that caused you pain. And I know that was a mistake. And I'm, I'm a, I'm, bummed about it, and I'm sorry. Matter of, that's a teaching moment. 
that is teaching someone how to follow Christ. Because to make them think that they'll never go, they're never going to blow it, I think that's actually the other part, part of the problem. You have one side where everything's so fake and phony that you think, I could never live up to this. And maybe, maybe that's some of you. You come into church and you look around and you go, all these people have their life together. And I, I, I don't belong here. Can I encourage you, as someone who knows most of these people, no, they don't. And no, no I don't. Okay? We are all in dramatic need of God's grace. We need it. We all have stories. We all have pasts. But God wants to work in and through that. So instead of being like totally carnal and we don't care at all about following God, we just say we're a Christian, that means I go to heaven when I die. We don't want to be that. We also don't want to be where we're acting like something we're not. What we want to be is actually following Jesus. When we blow it, we confess. Uh, when we are hurting, we ask, we, we ask for prayer. We need help. We interject. And, and, and when we see things in each other's lives, we want to help. That's what the community of the body of Christ is like. And that's how it is lived out. So instead of going home and going like, man, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I don't think I can do this. You know, you can do it. It's just a process of working into doing it. Remember, it's God that gives you the will to do and the ability to do it. It's, it's his idea. He's, he who has begun a good work in you is going to complete it. We're just part of that. We're in that process. Sanctification, but don't take it too lightly, right? Don't take it too lightly. Don't take it legalistically and become fake about it. It's the balance, right? So um, the third one, purpose. This is a big deal, right? Paul's purpose, manner of life, purpose. To live as Christ, to die as gain. I'd say that's simply Paul's purpose. He's like, I want my life to be a, a picture of God's grace. And I want everyone to know who I am and why I am this way. And it's all about Jesus. He's sold out to Christ. Uh, he's giving it his all to his calling. He has purpose. This is something that the next generation is really, really looking for, purpose. How do we save the world? How do we save this? How do we do this? How do we do They really, really want to do this, and I think it's a good thing. What we've got to do is help them to see that the greatest purpose is going to be found in serving Jesus. You will never find a greater uh, power or a greater uh, purpose than just that, serving Jesus. All the other stuff comes with it, Right? And so we find the need, we see the, the, the heart, and we bring Jesus to be in its rightful place. There's a hole inside of you that, that makes you desire to do this. Well, here's the thing you're looking for. It's him. You've been called to serve like this, okay? Four, he has, uh, he's seen his faith in action. Faith, right? My faith. He's seen his faith in action. Paul keeps on going, right? How... how much faith does Paul have? He just keeps on going. We're going to talk about this more in a second. We got some stories to read that are kind of fun. Verse five, long suffering is patience, but it's more specifically, it's patience for people. And you know what's interesting? A lot of these are fruits of the spirit. This is the fruits of the spirit inside of Paul's life being lived out. And so he says, Timothy, you are watching God change and move in me. You are seeing God in me. Take note. Look what he can do with a life. A life that was completely against him some years ago. Love, 
Through all Paul's hardships, he remains loving. You can see some people break his heart because they run away, they leave, they choose other things, their God is their belly. He's so bummed about it, but he remains loving. Paul cares about people, right? What do we see in most of his letters? I thank God about every remembrance of you. I'm constantly praying for you. He loves people. Perseverance. Paul will not give up. Why? I think it's because he understands his purpose. He doesn't give up. He won't give up. As long as he breathes, he's going to be poured out as this offering to the Lord. And then uh, eight in the eighth and ninth thing, there's nine of them, persecution and affliction. Um, what happened in, in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra found in Acts 13 through 14, and so much more. Paul went through a lot. Um, so God did a mighty work. I actually want to look at, at a, those, a couple of those passages because he's speaking of three specific uh, places where he was ministering. And what's interesting about these places is these are all places that Timothy would have reference to. So Paul's not talking about something that had happened over here or over there. He was talking about stuff that Timothy could remember for himself. Okay? So Antioch. Antioch was kind of like the hub for the Gentile church. There was amazing work of God happening, but the Jews hated what was happening. And Paul's like, yeah, you guys missed the boat, but God's pouring out his spirit on the Gentiles. They're pumped. God's doing this mighty work in them. In Acts chapter 13, verse uh, 49 through 52, it says, And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. But the Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women and the chief men of the city, raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and expelled them from their region. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and came to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So they were doing a mighty work. Many were getting saved and, and receiving uh, salvation and the call of God in their life. And then, boom, persecution came, right? And so what do they do? They end up leaving, and they're, like, still encouraged in spite of the persecution. So now they go to Iconium. Acts chapter 14, verse 1. Now it happened in Iconium that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews and, and so spoke that a great multitude, both of the Jews and the Greeks, believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. Therefore, they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders done by them. They, but they were divided against them. They eventually divided all the people, sought to abuse them and stone them. Persecution number two. Everywhere they go, there's a mighty work of God, and then there's persecution, right? So when we're praying for revival, we're praying for God to move, uh, what we often ignore is when God moves, there is an opposition, right? There's persecutions. Uh, if they persecuted Jesus, they'll persecute us. He's like the most righteous man that ever lived. He like healed people and he like, uh, like restored people's sight. He had grace for those who were sin. I mean, it's like if they hated him, they're going to hate us, right? So um, then, so they eventually went to Lystra. That's where Timothy was from. Right? So Timothy's in Lystra. There's a good chance he saw this stuff happen. He was probably pretty young at the time. So what happens? A crippled man was healed uh, through Paul and Barnabas are there. Right? And 
they, they heal this guy, and he says, hey, listen, stand up. And the guy jumps up, and he's so pumped. And what ends up happening? They all say, the gods have come down. The gods are here. So they called Barnabas Zeus, and they called Paul Hermes. Like, they've finally come down. Look, look what they just did. Because, I mean, who's seen something like this happen before? They, of course, knew the crippled guy, and they knew he wasn't faking it. It wasn't like a 40-year, uh, you know, hoax that they've been setting up for a long time. It was a real thing that was happening. So they gather together to try to make sacrifices to them. To them. They, and then so what happens? Paul and Barnabas tear their clothes. They're greatly disturbed. And they say, men, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you and preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God who made, them, who made the heaven, the earth, and the sea and all the things that are in them. So they're like, don't look at us. Don't exalt us. Notice, this is the opposite of these perilous men who want to be exalted, right? Those who are following Christ, if you want to be a man of God or a woman of God, you will seek to elevate him above yourself. And we live in a world where elevating yourself can get you a lot of places, you know, if you can make yourself look good or make your life look better than somebody else's or you can, you know, gain power through kind of sketchy means. You can be higher than everyone else and you can afford yourself some sort of a luxury or a comfort other people can't. Right. These guys are like, do not worship us. Do not worship us. And of course, we would say, oh, don't call us a God, but. You could pour on a little bit of how great I am. You could tell me how good I did at this, you know. I mean, we won't go that far. We won't go that far. You could, you could say some stuff, I think, you know. I don't know if I'm the greatest that ever lived, but maybe that's alive now. I don't know, you know. It's like that kind of stuff, right, where you, we kind of deceive ourselves into thinking, you know, I don't know, that that's not a thing. These guys are like, absolutely not. They tore their clothes. It's like a sign of anguish. Like, like, stop. We're in pain. Do not do this. So then after that, God doing, again, a mighty work. They, pre they preach the gospel, and then the drama finds them in verse 19. Remember, Timothy's probably watching this. That's why Paul's bringing up, remember these things. You can't remember something you didn't experience. So he says, then the Jews, this is uh, Acts 14, verse 19. The Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. Um, it's, this is just so casual. <laughs> I, it's like one of my favorite stories ever. I mean, part of it is because I love the movie Rocky. You know, it's like this is a very rocky moment. Uh, Paul has been stoned what they believe to be to death. You know, that, that means getting hit with rocks till you die. Like, come on. Like, hit with rocks till you die? Blunt force objects just thrown until you, they think you're dead. So it's like you couldn't just like kind of like play dead early on. I mean, they, they'd be chucking these rocks at you for a long time, right? 
So they pull him out of the city. They stone him. They suppose him to be dead. Or they, they stone him. Then they drag him out of the city. They're supposing him to be dead. The disciples gather around him. What does he do? And I love this. He gets up. He walks back into the city where they stoned him. That is so hard. Like, seriously. It's like, I mean, could you imagine you like thought you killed this guy and he comes in and he's all bloody and he walks back into the city. He's like, I need to talk to you. Come here. And you're just like, I'm done with this guy. Like he was dead. I saw him take all those rocks. What, I don't know how it happened. The Lord rose him up or whatever. But Paul, it's this thing. To follow Jesus takes some serious, serious bravery too. It does. But it's not you on your own. God will give you the strength. He will, even it's, you know, the Bible reminds us in times of persecution, it says in Acts, like, don't worry about what you'll say when you're brought up before, you know, the, the rulers and the government, the, rule, the kings and the priests and all this and that. Don't worry about that. I, I will tell you, I'll tell you what to say when you need to say it. Don't worry about that. I've got you. I've got your back, okay? So the Holy Spirit moving inside of Paul rises him up after being seemingly stoned to death, walks back into the city. These stories, do you think Timothy remembered this? These are like landmarks of faith in his life, right? These are moments of faith in, in his life. And we all have those moments where God did something crazy. We saw him do it. It's like, to me, I had multiple moments like that where I just felt like it was so clear that that was the Lord, both in our personal life and even in coming back here to take this church it was, and it was those moments were like so precious because the times will come when things get real rocky and real gnarly. And you need to remember the landmarks. Think Joshua crossing the Jordan, memorial stones. This is a landmark opportunity. Look at what God has done. Don't forget what he's done. Don't forget it. So I think that's a big part of remembering what God has done even the model prayer, we think about the blessings in our life, right? When go, there's, there's a constant reminder for us to remember what God has done. That's gratefulness and thankfulness. Think back on all that God has done in your life. And it gives you like, whoa, he's done a lot. And of course, what does that do? It makes you grateful for what you have. And it also makes you go, he could do other things too. This is one of the things that can get whittled down is our faith in believing that God can still do big things like that. Because we go, oh, man, life wears on us. You go, oh, that's just the way life is. And when you first maybe got saved, you're just like, God could do anything. And you literally saw him do crazy stuff. And then you kind of like, oh, okay, well, I don't know. They have been flow. No, remember that God does wild stuff. And remember to trust him. So, He's re reminding Timothy of this. Of course, then he'll remind him of the treasure he has in the word of God. But Paul lived out an example of faithfulness in these landmarks of faith. He saw Paul's example in these things. As they're persecuted, what is Paul doing? He's living out the example of faithfulness. He's speaking the truth. We see Paul preach the gospel every opportunity he gets. We see the power of God working on his behalf right? That God is moving in, in this. He's with him. He's doing something. And he's watched Paul endure suffering. It didn't throw him off. Most of what we call suffering is not suffering. I've been persecuted for my faith. 
someone told me they're not a Christian. You're like, okay, is that it? Or they told me they don't like Christians, okay? Maybe you have to talk to Paul about that in heaven. Paul, listen to this, you know. They tried to teach me something different in school. And Paul's like, cool. I was stoned to death. And then I got up again. I was beat constantly. You want to know what it looks like to be a faithful disciple? He's got scars all over his back, you know? And here's the thing. So, yeah, okay, we'll get into that in a second here. But Paul had, had endured all this, and God delivered him. That's, what, that's the in part. God, yet God delivered us, me, through them all. Timothy saw it. God delivered Paul. Timothy was watching. He saw God's faithfulness through it all. Verse 12, yes, and all who desire to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Um, desire, a desire to live a godly life, that's the key. Desire, if you want to blend in with everyone and do what everyone else is doing, if your desire is to live like a comfortable, easy life, maybe not. If your desire is to just kind of go with the flow and you know, just be with people who think just like you, you know, maybe not. But if you want to live a godly life that makes kingdom impact, kingdom repercussions, big time things, you better believe that there will be opposition to your life. You notice that you step out in faith, what happens? It's, it's, it's like every time we try to do something, we're like, okay, we're gonna have this youth event. All right, here we go. We go to do it. The air conditioning breaks down. We have an ant invasion. We have this break. We have that break. We come back. The sink's broken. Oh, it's flooded. <laughs> right? <laughs> the bathroom's flooded. Okay. I'm never doing a youth, big youth outreach event again, you know? It's like, no, of course not. It's to be expected. Tori and I used to say every time there's a camp coming up, something's going wrong. Like, and it's usually something pretty big. It's like we, one of our closet got flooded one time. You got this, a car breaks down. You get a flat, this last one I had flat tire. I'm like, what? How can this, be? Or, a, or a nail in the tire? You're like, ugh. Of course, it's now, never any other time. But it's, you're, you expect opposition. Now, when we think about persecution, it doesn't necessarily always mean we're all going to be beaten, you know, and, and martyred for our faith. I think that that percentage of people who do is not that high. But you will expect persecution because you are going against the flow. And I think if we're looking at the world around us, we can kind of see how this works, right? When you bump against the mainstream, when you start doing the swim upstream thing, it's like... Uh, People don't like that. But as, a, as, as someone who says, you believe you found the truth and you know who Jesus is and you believe it is the way to salvation, how can you not still preach? That's the, Paul, the question Paul was constantly asking himself. How could I not share this? How could I not tell everyone about this? And I think about that sometimes when I'm like, oh, okay, I don't know if it's time to share the gospel yet or not. Or I don't know if it's time to talk about even inviting him to church yet. I want to be careful. I want to be whatever. It's like, what? And that really does portray like a weak idea of what you think happens here or what you think Jesus does in people's lives. And because, you know, you, obviously you don't want to uh, give people a drink with a fire hydrant either, right? It's like, so, hey, you want to, oh, you're, 
um, have you ever heard about Jesus? Let me break down eschatology and revelation with you. They're just like, huh? You know, what? what? You know, like, um, or let me go, whatever. Let's read through uh, the book of Leviticus in one sitting. You know, it's like, whoa, no, don't do that. But it, 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 when we're talking about transformation, it's got to start with what we remember has happened with us. And I think everyone here should have some reference of God transformed me from one thing to another. And then that is a message we can speak. Now, when it gets hard to speak it is when you stop seeing the transformation. Now, whose fault is that? You could decide that for yourself. <laughs> but this is the message. We want to share this message, right? So if you desire to live a godly life, which would mean a God-pleasing life that we have been afforded through Jesus, in Christ Jesus, through the person of Jesus, no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, the life I now live, I live by faith in him. Okay? That's the godly life, is a life of adventure. But let me, this is the other thing, Okay? Do we desire to live a godly life or a safe life? Because this is something, especially as Americans, we are afforded more than any other nation in the world where we can choose a safe life that's kind of godly or we can choose a godly life that's not super safe, but it's an adventure. I mean, there's nothing dull about reading the book of Acts, right? And I actually think the storylines that we find in the Bible Almost every good movie you've ever watched is ripping something from the Bible. Man can't come up with stories on their own. We can't come up with these kind of stories. And I, I remember reading that, that even the idea of a redemption story was not around before uh, when we see it in, through Christ. It was like that was not a story that was told. The idea of redemption. And, and how many of our stories are about redemption now? From like teeny bop movies to... Oh, I was this, this ugly girl, and then all of a sudden, I took off my glasses, and, you know, and then I bloomed, you know, or whatever. Nothing wrong with glasses, but, you know. Or, like, the guy is never, he never was anything, and then all of a sudden, he, you know, had an encounter, you know, and then all of a sudden, he awakened to his potential, and he came out. This is, these are Bible stories. This is, this is God's restoring creation. This is Jesus, and it's all around us, and these movies sell like crazy, and they're just ripping what God did. So this is, so this is the greatest adventure you can have is living a godly life. It's, it is, and it is not always easy, and it is tiring, and it is burdening, and sometimes it is really hard because there's so many things, but God will meet you there. His yoke is easy, his burden is light, and there's nothing like watching God do something. I'm seeing you. Like, well, I see someone's life transformed by the good news of the gospel. They get saved. They're changed. They are, like, hungry for God. They want more of it. There is nothing like being able to be a part of that and watching that. There's nothing better than that. That's the life we live. But if you do that, you better believe persecutions are coming. How did the early church deal with persecutions? Well, you know, Peter and John in Acts 5. So when they departed from the presence of the council, uh, verse 41, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. They saw 
even suffering as a rite of passage of meaning I'm with Christ. See, I'm with him. That's why I'm looking more like Christ. Uh, Paul in Philippians 3, verses 7 through 11 says, But what things were gained to me, these things I've counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. All the old things, all his status, all his life, all that. For whom I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish or dung that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness. So this is in Christ, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, to experience it, to know him, the power of his resurrection, that it really, I'm also raised with him, new, dead, gone, old man in the water, new life in Christ. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. There's something about even suffering for Christ. Even in that, God meets us. So if it's suffering, if it's persecution, whatever that looks like in your life, God uses it for his glory still. And we know that, you know, it's like the inaugurated eschatology, I guess, view is that, that Jesus, it's like the, the kingdom is, it's begun, it's, it's happening, like God is starting something new, but not yet fully there. We're in the church age where the church is now standing as that example to be in the midst of the people. That God says, this is going to be my time and season in history where I will take a redeemed church who's now been filled with the Holy Spirit to go out and represent me to the world around me. This is how I will be working. And so we are all armed and equipped to be part of this call. But it's not safe. And it's not easy. But so worth it. This is it. This is what we were made for. Doesn't it make you like, doesn't it like kind of like make your heart beat? Like that's what I was made for. I love like even like survival shows, the old dual survival. Tori and I've been watching it, you know, and it's like these crazy guys, you know. One guy's like an army range, like sniper guy, and the other one is a hippie who walks barefoot through, you know, the hills. And he builds fires and, and, you know, and he's super good at that stuff. But he lives in Arizona and he's got like scorpions crawling all over him and stuff. And you're like, these, these people are nuts. But there's something about them that's compelling. You're like, oh, you could take that and you could turn that into, whoa, that is a good shelter. No, man, that's amazing. All right. I didn't know you could have, you know, put foil there. And now all of a sudden you have the heat coming back anyway. But there's something about it that's like, ah, I, I, I want adventure like this. So we don't really want to do survival. We want to camp, right? <laughs> we go camping. We bring a portable stove. Speaking of family camp, um, <laughs> by the way, there's only 15 spots for family camp. So we can have eight people on a site so we can mix it up. But um, all that to say, don't delay if you want to sign up for family camp. But this, this is like the adventure we were born for, Right? God has literally made you in his image 
for a purpose. That purpose is realized in the person of Jesus as we're now redeemed and awakened to the purpose where we work alongside of God and we go and do what he's called us to do, to be his kingdom representatives, his ambassadors to the world. This is what the church is supposed to be doing. This is what we get to do. Verse 13, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. The, the evil has kind of like a, you know, exponential effect. It like, it gets worse and worse. And you, you could see that, right? Especially when uh, we've neglected to realize the reason we flourished in the first place and start to think it was something we did. It's like funny, when you align yourself with the Lord, he like, there's a blessing there. Um, we look at the children of Israel in the Old Testament. Every time they're like, all right, God, we are following you. You're in charge. We trust you. God's like, awesome. And he's like, here's this land. Here's this food. Here's, you know, here, I got you. You're covered. Blessings, blessings. And then they go, we are pretty smart people. Look at the way we're living. We have formed all of this, and I think we could actually do even better if we kind of ditched the whole God thing. I think it's kind of holding us back. So let's do our own thing, which of course you think is good, but in retrospect especially, you look back and you go, Horrible, horrible decisions. Like you see it in the kings. You see it in, you can see it in judges. You could see the children of Israel constantly deciding, uh, you know what? We don't need to follow them anymore. Let's do it on our own. What happens? Failure, fall, hit rock bottom, boom. What happens? You cry out to God. God, I can't believe we've got all the way over here. Can you please rescue us? Can you bring us out of this mess? We, we want to reestablish our worship. We want to trust you again. He says, yes, come on, let's go. Boom, lift it up again. Only to think you did it on your own. This is, this is mankind 101, right? The things that establish a society, the things that are good and holy are generally, they're based on godly principles and even godly understanding. We build our lives on the rock and then we forget and think that we did it and so we changed the rules, right? And so what are the results? They're tragic. We see it in the Old Testament. We see it around us, right? So evil men and imposters, fakes, grow worse and worse and they're deceiving and they're being deceived. That's important to understand. Always remember, they are deceived. And so that's really important to understand. It's a spiritual battle. You can't shake it out of them. You can't go up to them and go, what is wrong with you? You're going to go to jail for that too, probably. But like, sometimes you're like, how can you not see? Because their eyes are blinded. They're deceived and they're deceiving. They're deceiving, they're being deceived. And the more you give ear to deception, the more you allow it a, a place in your life, what happens? The more you're deceived. And then it gets worse and worse and worse. And you start putting, instead of building your life on the rock, you start building your life on deceptions. And now this deception leads to that deception. And we see, look around us, right? And so this is 
culturally happening now, but it's also the story of mankind throughout all generations, isn't it? Look back at history. It, it's, that's what's interesting about history. Like, get rid of history. No, history tells us how stupid we are and how smart we always think we are. Like, I've reached the pinnacle. We no longer need God. And then what happens? Imagine that. People decide they are God. Failure. All the things that we thought were inherently part of us weren't. And we start to see what man is capable of. Man is capable of the most amazing good. I think it's interesting. You think about like Paul. They call him Zeus and Hermes. Paul, Barnabas, Zeus, Paul, Hermes. They thought they were gods. They were being used so mightily by God. And they were being so trans, you know, were so transformed in the image of God. Looking so beautiful in what they were doing. They could be mistaken for gods. And yet mankind can come up with the most barbaric torture we it's it's all within us we can be the best or the worst it's all about what we build our life upon and who and whose we are as we trust christ and we allow his holy spirit to work from the inside out of us there's like no limit to what god can do but also if we trust in ourselves and we're deceived and we're, we're deceiving and being deceived there's no limit as to how low we can go so it's like a very, there's a lot in the balance here. And so we, we got to take that really seriously when we go, who am I? What side of the fence am I on? What kind of life am I living? What do I value most? What matters most to me? Is it serving Jesus or is it something else? If it's something else, that sounds like an idol, <laughs> right? And you go, I don't, I just can't get there. God will get you there. He'll get you there. I say, God, open my eyes as to what I'm supposed to, how I'm supposed to see it. And we all have those things. I have things that are constantly, they pop up. and like, that is an idol now. You know? It's like that become a thing. And that's what you think about. And that's what you read about and study. And ah. But God's so gracious and merciful. So gracious and merciful. And he calls us out and out of the old and in to the new. Not just out to wander around and just kind of flounder. Out of the darkness into the light. Here's your purpose. Here's your calling. Here's your new life in Christ. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to join us in person, we meet at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more info on the church or ministries we offer, head over to calvarycarlsbad.com. Thank you and God bless. Thank you.